Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Colony Drop. My name is Brian. And my name is Isaac. This is the number one Gundam podcast where we talk about everything from the manga to the models, the anime series, the OVAs, the movies, the books, and everything Gundam. And today we're going to talk about the UC Next 100 project, the next 100 years of the Universal Century, and how potentially to reduce some perceived repetition in Gundam. You know, Brian, as much as we like the Universal Century, sometimes it can get a little bit repetitive. But before we get to that, let's talk about what's going to be coming down the pipeline as far as the the next 100 part project. Yeah, so to remind our our listeners, Sunrise and Bandai, they announced uh, back in 2018 a new project called UC Next 100. And the point of this project was to sort of expand the Universal Century, uh, which is the main Gundam timeline that first started with the original Mobile Suit Gundam TV series in 1979. The main point is to expand that timeline uh, over the next 100 years after Char's Counterattack and Unicorn. And the first output of that project will be Mobile Suit Gundam Hathaway's Flash, which is going to be a movie trilogy, which was the first movie was actually supposed to come out uh, in July of, of this year, of 2020. But like everything else good in 2020, it was delayed due to COVID. I don't believe it has any release date at the moment. So I'm sure the movie, I'm sure the first movie is done, probably, sitting on someone's computer at Bandai right now, waiting to be released. So hopefully we get to see that soon, once uh, everything is a little bit more safe. But in trying to think about maybe what's next and maybe how we can reduce some repetition, I think it's important that we take a step back and look at what already exists in Mobile Suit Gundam Universal Century canon that comes after the year UC100. So from an anime perspective, we have, again, Hathaway's Flash, which is coming out soon. That takes place in Universal Century 105. And then we're going to have a bit of a time gap. So the next filmed work is Mobile Suit Gundam F91, which is a movie uh, that was made out of a, you know, basically a failed 50-episode TV series that was, I think I think they made, what, 13 episodes, Isaac? And then they eventually just smushed it together into a, into a film. And that film was released in 1991. Yeah. Um, and, and that film takes place in Universal Century uh, 123. So there's about a, you know, 20-year gap or so um, between Hathaway's Flash and F91. After F91, we have an even bigger gap. We have a Victory Gundam, which takes place in UC-153, so about 30 years later from F91. And that was made in 1993-1994. So again, pretty old, 30 years ago-ish. And then after Victory Gundam, there's a uh, a little-known movie made in 2000. It's one of Isaac's favorites, G-Savior, that takes place in Universal (laughs) Century 223. And that is sort of debatable, uh, whether or not that's still in the canon. That was a live-action film. It has mixed mixed feelings around the fandom a little bit. Um, so those are the filmed works. And as you can see, there's definitely some time gaps there. And, and those those works that come after Hathaway's Flash that already exist in this sort of next 100 range of years that this project is attempting to adapt, they are pretty old. They're going on 30 years or so. So in addition to the anime, there's a lot of Gundam manga. And... Manga is a really good way to fill in those time gaps. And so there there are a lot of manga series, you know, in the first 100 years and in this sort of second uh, century of the universal century uh, that, that do fill in some of this time gap. There's, I'd say, probably at least one major one and then two pretty big ones that pe- most people are f- familiar with. The major, major one in this in the uh, second universal century is Crossbone Gundam, which takes place in UC-133. And I think the first volume of that was released in 1994, and it has sequels still going 
you know, to this day. And some of those sequels take place after UC-133. I think the latest one that's being published takes place in the same year or, or pretty close to Victory Gundam. So the Crossbone Gundam story is sort of a sequel to F91, <laughs> and it, it spans about 20 years. So there's a lot of Crossbone Gundam there in the manga. Crossbone Gundam has never been adapted into an anime, so that's kind of important to, to keep in mind as we as we go on this journey here. And then there's two other ones that are, I'd say, more minor, but they're still pretty well known. And that's um, Mobile Suit Gundam F90 and Mobile Suit Gundam uh, Silhouette Formula F91, both of which are sort of prequels to the Mobile Suit Gundam F91 movie. So just because they're related to that F91 movie, they seem you know, more substantial maybe than some of the other manga side stories. And both of those were made in uh, the early 90s as well. F90 was in 1990, and uh, Silhouette Formula F91 was made in 1992. So what is the overall takeaway from that sort of that existing body of work in, in the, the second century? And I think, Isaac, that is that all of these are very old. They were all made roughly 20, 30 years ago. So what does that mean uh, for the UC Next 100 project? So I think, based on a discussion we had last week that spurred this episode off air, is that that creates two likely scenarios. Um, one which is probably the normal scenario, and that is they just Bandai and Sunrise, they proceed with the established timeline, and they do not deviate. They say, okay, we know we have these these mangas, these side stories out there, uh, and these older films, and we're just gonna, we're gonna go with them. We're gonna keep them as part of the canon and, and, and just proceed as normal. And I think if they do that, that's gonna lead into a few things. One, they're gonna create a new story, which is presumably Unicorn 2, which was announced as part of the UC100 project. It's sort of, and I'm going to assume that Unicorn 2 is going to bridge the gap between Hathaway's Flash and F91 to some degree, because you you know, Mobile Gundam Unicorn was a huge success, and they want to build on that, right? I think that's probably been one of the biggest successes that Gundam has had in, in a long time, and so it would be silly Absolutely. to kind of throw to kind of throw that away. Um, and then after they do Unicorn 2. They would have to turn to, you know, unless they're going to make make up some brand new story, I think they would adapt uh, existing stories similar to Hathaway's Flash uh, that, you know, exist around the existing anime and manga to sort of enhance them. And that would be something like Crossbone Gundam or F90 and Silhouette Formula 91. I don't think F90 or Silhouette Formula would deserve a whole series. They're just not long enough. I think both are each one volume. But something like Crossbone has a lot of volumes. It was created based on Tomino's uh, notes for the original F91 uh, series, I believe, just expanded upon. Um, so that seems ripe. You know, I, if they proceed with this established timeline, Crossbone Gundam, I think, is something that people would be enthusiastic about. Any thoughts there, Isaac, before we hit them with the, uh, <laughs> the other scenario? <laughs> oh, boy. Where do I begin? Um, thank you, Brian, for that in-depth analysis. You have the, the computing power of a psychomio. <laughs> where to begin you know what you said that um crossbone gundam was based on tomino's notes for the original f91 does that mean he envisioned f spoiler alerts everybody if you if you're about to jump into crossbone and you had no idea what was going to happen for this 20 year old plus manga <laughs> does that mean that he originally envisioned, you know, the Crossbone Vanguard becoming good guys, transitioning from bad guys originally to good guys? Or is this more maybe his broad strokes of, oh, there's, you know, an organization called Crossbone and there's a Gundam and blah, blah, blah. I think it's 
Definitely more of the latter. Um, okay. Because I think really what happened is, you know, they were working on the series. They made X number of episodes, and then they decided, you know what? We either don't like this or we don't want to move forward for whatever reason. I think it was creative differences, but no one really... I mean, are we really going to find out now? It was a long time ago. And so that yeah. that's when the movie came out. And so I think after the movie came out and, you know, it's not like we saw another F91 related anime series. I think basically because the movie was so short, there was so much left over in that Tamino had in mind. The author of Crossbone, he kind of picked that up and, and turned it into what is Crossbone Gundam today. That's my understanding anyway. Um, yeah, I, I guess I should say I haven't read Crossbone or at least... I think I I read part of it, you know, 15 years okay. ago. So, yeah. um, <laughs> but I mean, that's what the internet <laughs> says. I don't know if that's, you know, the exact thing that happened, but. All right. Well, getting back to your original question that you asked me, what I think about all this, just first thing that pops in my head, I feel like, yes, this is great. It's interesting, but, but my fear <laughs> is that unless we see new things, Unless we see, you know, Hathaway's Flash become a really interesting um, OVA series. And unless we see whatever games or models are coming out, um, if we, unless they're really engaging and they're new, we might be in for a lot of what we've already seen. And by that, I mean, how many times can we see Xeon come back from the edge of defeat? and fight the Federation again. How many times can we see sort of the same, the same plot sort of play out about some vague secret that was in one of the colonies and then it has to deal with the Federation's origin or what have you. And then, and then by the numbers, of course there's a battle and then um, some random young student or an engineer's, (laughs) Son falls into the Gundam and has to pilot it <laughs> during, you know, a, a secret operation to destroy that Gundam. To an extent, it can feel a little bit repetitive. What do you think, Brian? Is have you at times watched some recent Universal Century content that's been new and thought to yourself, "Wow, I've pretty much seen all these these beats in the storyline before." Yeah, I do think there's a real danger there. You know, I think when I watched Unicorn, that did feel really familiar to me. It almost felt like, well, no, it didn't almost. It did feel like we were trying to recreate Amro and Char, but without Amro and Char a little bit. And then I, I guess you're right, and we, we talked about this a little bit before, that it's sort of a conflicting desire, right? Because you want something new. You want to sort of be able to move on from that one-year war, Xeon sort of time frame. Right. But if you think about it, they kind of did that 30 years ago with F91 and Victory Gundam and G Savior. And it didn't really. (laughs) (laughs) And it didn't. I'll say. Maybe one of those was a success. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I guess I'll. My my take, at least, and maybe fans disagree, is that I I don't know that those really caught on the way that Zeon did. Right. I mean, people love yeah. Federation versus Zeon. I don't think there are that many Crossbone Vanguard fans. I don't think there's that many Zanscare Empire fans. You don't see people going to conventions dressed up as the Zanscare Empire or Crossbone Vanguard or the Jupiter Empire. 
Now, I, you know, granted, I think Crossbone has a lot of fans. The Crossbone models are really popular. Crossbone Gundam is is pretty popular in a lot of like the um, Super Robot Wars games. I think it's kind of like they have SD Gundam sprites, and so Crossbone definitely has a following. But is is it enough to lead this next 100 project? Because it does seem like this with this project, they really want to. At least I read into it that they kind of want to do something to move on from Xeon. I think Bandai Sunrise also realizes that maybe maybe they've gone to the Xeon well one too many times. But that said, people love Xeon, and I don't know that you want to get rid of them altogether. I, I agree completely, but at the same time, I feel like Xeon should almost have its place as sort of the first enemy in the Universal Century. There's Xeon in the One Year War, and then pretty much just these Xeon remnants, Neo Xeon, the sleeves, whatever you want to call them, afterwards. And they were never at any point at the strength of the original Xeon, you know, at, at no point. That said, I feel like from now until the end of time, you could always go back at any point in any of those wars and conflicts and have an incredible side story or some type of story to tell that was happening at the same time that lets you see Xeon mobile suits and uniforms and characters and all that that we've grown to love. But at the same time, I think by plotting ahead into the timeline, like we're doing with um, Hathaway's Flash finally, which is a very old novel, and the enemy in that, I'm sure Xeon might be referenced, but from what I remember, they're not presented as an enemy or a, um, an organized threat in that. It's, things have changed. You know, the, the timeline has moved on, Hathaway's grown up, and this is hopefully a transition series so that we can move forward into a, a universal century with new enemies. Like you mentioned before, though, did those enemies catch on back in the 90s when um, these new series came out? I'm not sure that they did. I have to agree with you there. It's I would be hard-pressed to find somebody that could maybe name um, a Zanskar Empire mobile suit that's a Gundam fan or even uh, Crossbone Vanguard mobile suits. I myself probably could have named a lot of them off the top of my head. Maybe a mobile armor. You know, the <laughs> the, the Rafflesia is easy to memorize because it shows up <laughs> right at the end of F91, yep. and yep. you know it, it's a bat, it's a boss battle. But <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I feel like Zeon either has to stay in the past or there has to be a new way to move forward with it because we all love seeing Zeon. Even if you're a Federation and a Gundam fan, you love seeing Zeon. It's like watching Star Wars, I guess, and like in the Sith or something. You know, it's not really Star Wars if there's no there's not somebody in black with a red lightsaber that always has to be there that's a constant but moving forward maybe there's a different way that Xeon can stay with us I suppose as we go into the future that's right so that leads us into scenario two which we talked about sort of off the cuff off air last week and we realized oh wow I wonder if they would actually do that and that scenario is and people are going to hate this but the, <laughs> that some <laughs> clear that up. Some, some people some hate. <laughs> is that potentially Bandai and Sunrise they could theoretically pull a Disney and throw out everything after Hathaway's Flash and Unicorn Two in the Universal Century and start over. 
And when I say pull a Disney, I mean do what Disney did to Star Wars. And they threw out the Star Wars. Legends. Know, the yeah. Legends uh, fiasco Legend. where they yeah. they decanonized all the side stories, all the novels. Um, thousands. Were, <laughs> thousands, <laughs> of no, thousands of novels and comic books were yes. just thrown aside and said, those were all a dream. Yes, just... <laughs> disappeared and in fact even there's that one quote from kathleen kennedy where she says something like you know uh there's just not a lot of material out there to adapt and people were like what (laughs) and why do we even bring that up again the f91 era stories the victory stories even g savior the most recent of them they're pretty old if you're in charge of sunrise and bandai today and you say i want to bring this franchise the mobile suit gundam franchise which is one of the you know, biggest franchises that we have, um, most successful, and and you want to move it forward. Do you really want to be constrained by something someone did 30 years ago when you're trying to tell those stories for today's fan? Which today's new fan looks a lot different than a potential new fan in 1990 or 1995. Crossbone Gundam, probably the most popular of those sort of later UC era things. It only exists in manga format. So while Isaac and I know about it, and if you're listening to this podcast, you probably know about Crossbone Gundam. I don't know that normal fans are going to know about Crossbone Gundam. And whatever Bandai Sunrise puts out in the UC Next 100 project, I'm going to watch it. Isaac's going to watch it. People listening to this podcast, you're probably going to watch it. Why wouldn't you watch it? We love Gundam, right? That's why we're here. Right. But if you're trying, <laughs> but if you're trying to, if you're trying to get new fans. I, I don't know. From a from a corporate perspective, they may not be too keen to just keep adapting those old stories. So, you know, they would get a lot more freedom to do the story they want to do if they started with a blank slate. Now, is that good? I don't know. I think there's pros and cons both ways. I'm not saying it's good or even that it's likely. In fact, I tend to think it's not very likely given that I think F91 and Victory were in the art in the background or something like that for UC Next 100 when they unveiled it. So they are at least acknowledging that those do exist. And they are adapting Hathaway's Flash, which again, as we said, is old. You know, that's from 1988 too. So clearly that being old is not holding them back. Uh, and then again, you know, there's been a, a buttload of manga in the canon. You know, sort <laughs> a of, dom load. <laughs> a dom's skirt armor you could, load. You could, yeah, you could stuff a dom's bell bottoms with the amount of content that's coming out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, they, they put out a lot of content ranging in years in the UC calendar, even though it may not be animated. Um, it, you know, it is there in the manga. But we, we kind of just want to examine what if they did throw it out? We're not saying that we want them to throw it out or necessarily that it's likely. But I do think people should acknowledge that that could be a possibility. I know that was a long lead in. So yeah. now I will let All you right. talk for a long time, Isaac. What if they did? What would you like to see? What if they just started over? Not started over, okay. but what if they, you know, started from scratch and they said, okay, yeah. well, we made Hathaway's Flash because everybody liked it. We made Unicorn 2 because we like Unicorn and we think Unicorn makes a lot of money. Now what? If you had a blank slate, where would you go? Oh, oh boy. Got a blank slate moving ahead to the Universal Century. You know what? I'm going to go with the argument that, yeah. Whoever sat down in that boardroom and said, you know what, no one's going to buy Zanscare mobile suits <laughs> or, um, you know, what, we're not going to sell a bunch of angel halos. <laughs> so I'm going to say that if this does happen, what I'd like to see is Zeon staying with us just in a different form. And what I mean by that, Brian, is, okay, 
there's a huge fan base for Zeon, as we've said before, and they love seeing Zeon in wars and all that. But, but, as the lore has shown us in the future, there are other spheres, right? There's the Jupiter sphere. There's even a side story where there's Zeon on Mars. So it's conceivable that there's other stuff happening in the solar system. Why can't we have stories where, say, the Zeon remnant in the Earth sphere teams up with the Federation and they you know, have conflicts with these other spheres or one other sphere. I feel like that'd be a good way for us to have our cake and eat it too, so to speak. We'd be able to have Xeon, Xeon characters, um, Xeon mobile suits, but they'd be working side by side with Federation, Gundams, the good guys, so to speak, against maybe an external threat. I feel like that's something that we haven't seen before and could be pretty interesting seeing Xeon and the Federation on the same side. Not against an alien threat, God, no, that'd be <laughs> terrible, but against maybe, you know, a faction at Jupiter that's doing whatever they do over in Jupiter, uh, maybe the asteroid belt, Neptune, Uranus, who knows, Mercury, Venus, it's possible, anything could be happening. But, um, yeah, I, I think that would be a perfect way for us to move forward while still holding on to the two original factions that we all fell in love with when we first saw Gundam. Yeah, I totally agree. So I think I think there's a few important points to note there. One is that Zeon staying around is good for the fandom because the fandom loves Zeon. People love buying Zeon things. <laughs> Therefore, you, you can pitch that to corporate, right? I mean, look, right. we all love Gundam side stories. If, if I could go out and make them produce a high-budget silhouette formula F91 OVA, I would. But I doubt there's anyone over there who wants to spend, you know, $50 million to adapt a one-volume manga from, like, the early 90s. It's probably, <laughs> I just don't know. <laughs> I just don't see their their finance team approving that. But if you could say, well, you know what, we have a new project, and it kind of adapts this old project, but Xeon's there, too. So we can, you know, we can sell a Zaku 5, right? Like, Ooh, we, yeah. we, we, were, we were just talking about how, even in the Neo-Zeon sort of era... The Zaku's kind of been left behind. It, you know, it, it got developed into other suits, and they they've just been renamed other things. But people love those Zaku's. You know, that'd be something to where oh, Zeon's back, and and guess what? They brought back the Zaku, and you know, they updated it. it looks new, looks good, and yeah, I think having like a three way fight is very intriguing. We saw that a little bit in Iron Blooded Orphans. You had Gallerhorn, Tewaz, and Tekadin forming this sort of triangle of tension and that could be really cool in the universal century we haven't seen that really in a major way i don't think i mean we had lundo bell and you know being somewhat separate uh from yeah. the federation a little bit and and the the sleeves but i wouldn't say that's on a huge scale really you know you could even keep the same characters whether it's crossman vanguard zanscare jupiter you know you don't have to go radically off the deep end but if you had maybe the Federation trying to fight them and then it wasn't going so well, because presumably the Federation is, you know, they're going to start to lose control as time goes on. Maybe they need a little help from their friends at side three. So, yeah, I, I think it could be entertaining. You know what? What's great about this, too, is like lore wise, it makes sense. As a fan of Xeon, it there comes a point where it's like, OK, really? Xeon's back again after the last four wars? I, it's, they're going to be fighting Zeon until the end of time in the Earth sphere. <laughs> I feel like with how they've played along the story from Unicorn, sorry, Unicorn spoilers again, there's every reason that Mineva, as the leader of Zeon, 
would be in the perfect position to really steer this sort of unholy alliance, this this unlikely partnership between the Federation and Xeon. And it would give us everything we want. We'd be able to see, you know, interesting tension between Xeon and the Federation forced to work together. At this point, I really hope the Federation realizes that Xeon isn't going away. It, it, there, you can't build enough colony lasers to destroy Xeon. You can't gas enough colonies to destroy Xeon. The, the, Xeon will always be around. That's just how things are going to be. Okay. <laughs> Wait, what's the what's the guy in V for Vendetta? You, you, didn't he say something like you can't kill you can't kill an idea? Uh, right? Ideas are bulletproof. Yeah, idea. Okay, there you go. Ideas are bulletproof, Isaac. Xeon's yeah. an idea. I, I completely agree. If they destroyed, well, to an extent, I guess that kind of did happen, right? In, <laughs> in the UC timeline, right? Yeah. Even if Xeon was out of the picture, they're going to deal with these other colonies that are wanting independence or their own bizarre vision of what uh, what their society should be like. So for that, yeah, I absolutely think that moving forward, we should maybe put a war between Xeon and the Federation on the back burner and give us something we haven't seen before, which is Xeon and the Federation in amazing battles um, and amazing stories working together against uh, an external threat in the Earth, against the Earth sphere. Ideally a human threat, because I don't think aliens work very well or at all in Gundam stories. Let's be very clear <laughs> about that. Isaac and I will go on the record and say that an alien threat should never be introduced into the Universal Century timeline. The only exception we will allow is that uh, the, the pathogen that we talked about last week, that is the absolute limit that I think either of us would ever like to see in the Universal Century, um, given what happened with Gundam 00. Even that was terrible. It has to be like almost non-sentient life. It has to be like a fossilized space whale from Gundam Seed. Or it has to be like a microbe that, you know, only Xeon would be dumb enough to think could become a weapon. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it, it basically is like a microbe, you know, or whatever, bacteria, virus. I, I'm not a biologist. I'm sure some of you are and probably hate that comment right now but uh this you know what the space whale don't get me started on the space whale when i <laughs> when i first watched seed they brought up the space whale right this is yeah. getting really off topic but i was like oh that's different that's, that's neat we'll we'll eventually get to figure out where that space whale came from and then they never brought it back presumably because they realized it was a stupid idea yeah <laughs> i mean it, it contributed nothing to the story and it was also almost it had just, wings you don't need wings yeah. in outer space <laughs> It was only in the story, I guess, so that like two characters would be able to have a conversation looking at it. Um, <laughs> but anyways, it sounds like we're in agreement, Brian. We'd like to see Xeon and the Federation, but working together in an unholy alliance with Maneva, you know, being the um, the referee pretty much, because who else could keep Xeon in line? And then fighting just an external threat from another another sphere, from one of the other planets in the solar system. And that would be the spark of this new war where we get to see an Earth sphere working together and some really interesting villains that they could create. As well written as I'm sure many episodes of Victory Gundam War, it didn't catch the imagination of fans. It didn't catch their loyalty, I feel. Correct me if I'm wrong. Make a comment below if you love Zanscare mobile suits or the uh, the League Militaire mobile suits and you you collect them all. <laughs> They're the pride of your collection, but I would be very doubtful there's a lot of fans like that. So why not write things over? Why not refresh this timeline, give us new enemies, new stories, 
rather than completely doing everything. So after Hathaway's Flash, I'm more than willing. I'm excited. I'm excited at the prospect that we could see new things. And maybe we should. Maybe it's time to let the uh, let the past die. <laughs> let, the, let, a, let a new future be born. One thing I will say, too, is that having Mineva lead a series would be perfect for the time we live in, right? Where female empowerment is like a, oh, wow. a huge thing. Yeah. Um, I mean, you could even put her name in the title. You know, it could be Mobile Suit Gundam colon, you know, Light of Maneva or, Ooh. you know, something. Uh, Maneva Mission. <laughs> um, Maneva's Mercy. Ooh, I like that. You know, something, some, you know, some catchy title. I don't know. I, th- I think it would work really well. And maybe there's a third scenario where it's sort of a mix of the two scenarios we just described, where they do proceed forward and maybe just change things a little bit. You know, maybe they don't redo everything completely. Uh, maybe they come up with a way to make it all sort of make sense, but sort of you know introduce Zeon somehow. Maybe maybe a, a light retcon, I'll say, instead of a full on just throwing everything out. Yeah. You know? Maybe that was a weakness of the original UC timeline and why it didn't really catch on because it felt like after three wars, Zeon came to an abrupt end and just sort of got you know, washed away. And then we had the Crossbone Vanguard show up, but that was just an OVA. And then we had Victory Gundam, but... That series was maybe too dark because <laughs> because the creator was suffering from depression at the time. <laughs> depression isn't funny, but I mean, when it goes into his work and the whole work is like a downer and <laughs> most of the characters die horribly. It, it, and it has a downer ending even. Oh, goodness. <laughs> when we do our Victory Gundam series, I think we're going to have to like call each other frequently to kind of cheer each other up. <laughs> you know, be like, I wrote some It'll jokes okay. for you tonight. Yeah. <laughs> so... Maybe at the time those series were made, they didn't stick the landing, which is why right now it feels so right to chart a new path forward with Unicorn sort of leading the way. And then from here, we're going to Hathaway's Flash and everything that will come after. It's kind of an interesting problem to have, right? I mean, mm-hmm. I would assume that those series like F91 and, and Victory Gundam, people you know who made them, um, and I'm not just speaking about Tamino, but you know, there's a lot of people involved in those stories, right? I'm sure by making those series, they were trying to solve the exact problem that we're talking about, right? I mean, yeah, we've we've seen Zeon a lot, but if you think back then, they were even closer to all of the Zeon, you know, series in a row, right? There, you know, th- those, if yeah. those series were in the '90s, then pretty much all of Gundam was still less than 15 years old at that point. So I'm sure I'm sure they were trying to solve that problem of let's make something new, and they did, and it it went over well at the time, but maybe not the same you know it didn't it didn't hit the same level of popularity and Did so it? well no I'm, not, <laughs> well, I'm, not, I'm saying i don't think it went over poorly um, uh, okay maybe not yeah. great but i wouldn't say it was just okay. an abject failure right i mean if it was yeah. complete failure we wouldn't have crossbone gun and we wouldn't have f90 or silhouette formula that you know that kind of stuff no i'm not saying That's it was point. it wasn't a home run we'll, we'll put it that yeah. way it was a single you know, <laughs> there's men on base. You know what? Necessarily score, but they they probably didn't anticipate. Okay, this Gundam thing will still be around, you know, 30 years later, and what we're doing today, it, it needs to be planned for longevity. And I think that's what a lot of these mature franchises are experiencing right now, right? So, you know, same thing in the comics world, same thing in the Star Wars world, Star Trek. 
they're trying to everyone's trying to have their cake and eat it too where the new thing is familiar but new and so i, I think gundam has that same problem and i don't know it's true. I keep, we're trying to reduce repetition ironically by keeping zeon around <laughs> it's a it's a it's it's a novel solution you got me, you got me there all right <laughs> so we're pretty much talking about then and now that you've boiled it down very uh, succinctly, we're essentially talking about the problem of a franchise that has been around for a long time. And how do you deal with everything that's defined it? And then how do you deal with moving forward without it still being stale? So it's sort of a catch-22, right? We need the we need the common stuff that is very recognizable. We need the Gundams. We need Beam Sabers. We need, you know, Mono Eyes and spaceships, colonies, all that. But at the same time, what do we do that's different so that this isn't becoming boring and predictable? I think we need Maneva as the main character uh, as a a pilot. I think that'd be cool. I think that'd be cool. I know. breaks, buddy. (laughs) How dare you put the Sovereign of Xeon in a mobile suit? She She... should be on the bridge of a ship. Very safe. (laughs) Excuse me, but that is the exact problem. None of the Zabi family was ever in a suit, really, except for Dozel. So, and she's the daughter of Dozel. So, put her in a suit. We've never had a female pilot main character. That's perfect. Oh God, for for the time in which we live in. I mean, come on, Bandai Sunrise, see the writing on the wall. I don't, you know, if even if you're not cutting out all the rest of the continuity, make it happen. You know, write a side story where it all works out in the end. Um, that that much seems obvious to me, and that would be a good way to flip the. Well, I'm a zombie family. Well, most of the zombie family just sits around. Like you know, Degwin sits on the great Degwin, <laughs> flies around. It would be a, it would turn that situation on its head. She one we'd have a female. She'd be the zombie. Well, I guess now the now the zombie sovereign, whatever. And she'd be you know a pilot, not not someone who stands in the sidelines and and does political theater. Brian, that was pretty brilliant, I must say. <laughs> I did not draw the connection between her also needing to be in a pilot seat because her father was in a pilot seat. Technically, he was in a full armor, but still, he was out there among there. the troops. Yeah. Yeah. So, wow. I mean, who better to teach her to than her good friend, Banajer? Oh, Ooh, right? There you go. I mean, yep. you can't ask for a better pilot than the pilot of the unicorn to give yeah. you flight lessons, right? <laughs> yep. There you go. See? You know yeah. what? Those those Xeon troops will fight to the death if they know <laughs> she's out there like beside them, right? <laughs> all all ten of them that are left, yes, they will. Yeah. They will all <laughs> You know what? It won't be ten because no matter what they do to Xeon, there's always people getting into Xeon mobile suits. <laughs> you brought up something interesting, Brian, that this was probably something that they attempted back when they did F nine one, right? And after that victory Gundam. Can you imagine those those storytellers, the producers, and the um the animators, the whole team? They had just watched four, essentially four series of Xeon, right? They watched the original Mobile Suit Gundam, yep. then they watched Zeta, Double Zeta, Shards Counterattack, then they had to watch you know some of the side stories like Double Eighty Three or the Eighth MS Team, uh, War in the Pocket too. So technically, possibly seven, yeah. um, up to seven at the time at least, I think. And then after that, there must have been the sense, at least at the company, that, wow, we need to get out of this rut that we're in with Xeon all the time. What can we think of next? And sadly, their concept was um, the Crossbone Vanguard. But the movie itself, Gundam F91, 
we'll talk about this, of course, in the F91 episode. It's not a terrible movie, but I don't think it's a great movie, and it's not a great Gundam story. It's serviceable, at least. But we're, we're essentially discussing the fact that they didn't really solve this problem way back when, right? Yeah, because, yeah. I think that's fair. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And now we have it again. Learning. Yeah, right. and now we, yeah, but I'm guessing their attempt to sort of hold our hand out of Xeon as the enemy is um, Hathaway's Flash, do you think? Because on the one hand, we have a character who is the son of a main character from the One Year War. And at the same time, it's his new life. He's grown to become a, a young man, and it's about him uh, dealing with this new threat that's, uh, you know, not they're not the Titans, but they're, again, a, an enemy from within the Federation. So maybe this is their way of transitioning us out by showing us something that's familiar, but at the same time, new, that's never been seen on screen. Could be. And Hathaway's Flash is a pretty safe bet, right? Because, like you said, it has a it has that connection to the original series, and it also has killer mecha designs that maybe other series don't have. Like, I actually somewhat like the F91 designs, but they're nowhere near the designs in Hathaway's Flash. No. <laughs> so... Hathaway's went full 80s. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that Penelope, it's, it's going to get you, you know. So yeah. um, there's going to be a lot of fans of that. Um, I, I think it's pretty cool. So yeah, I, I think Hathaway's Flash should do pretty well. Okay, Brian, let me throw this. Uh, let me throw a curveball at you. Get ready to catch it. I'm ready. All right, Hathaway's Flash is finished. What do you do next as the head of content at Sunrise after Hathaway's Flash? Is this including or excluding Unicorn 2? So after that, so including Unicorn, too. Um, well, in my I guess in my view, Unicorn Two is the is the Maneva show. I'll Ooh, I'll put it that way. Okay. Then what I do after that, because again, that Maneva Unicorn Two may be different. You don't know what the reaction is going to be to that show, right? And you kind of got to develop these things sort of together, uh, or, or concurrently, I'll say, right? Because um, these things take a while, so you got to be working on all of them kind of at the same time. So I think Hathaway's Flash is, like you said, familiar. It's a good transition. So that's throwing the fans a bone. People have wanted Hathaway's Flash for 30 years, and they're going to get it. Then you give them something new. You give them the in my in my of which is Unicorn Two, which in my view should be the Maneva show. And then after that, I would give them something familiar again. I would give them Crossbone, because I oh. still think even in a world where maybe you move around the continuity a little bit. I still think people want to see Crossbone animated because it has pretty cool designs. It pro- it also probably has a little bit different of a tone than, you know, the unicorn-ish uh, tone. So, it would, again, it would be good to sort of change it up a little bit. And then, while you're putting out Crossbone, that's when you work on the sequel or maybe the conclusion to a unicorn trilogy, you know, involving Maneva, Benajer, and, you know, whoever else. So that that's what I would do. What, what would you do? Oh, boy. See, I like the crossbone idea because that leads us into so much content that's already been created that's interesting and clearly has a fan base. But at the same time, I feel like for anybody that maybe didn't catch F91 or maybe glimpsed it and thought to themselves, I'm not going to watch this 90s junk. (laughs) This looks terrible. And it's just one movie. Um, They're going to have almost no lead into crossbone. You would almost... You would almost have to do redo F nine one. I feel like to um, do a proper lead in the crossbone. That that's that's fair too. You could instead of redoing F nine one, you could kind of just re could redo <laughs> it in in a way that it's part of Crossbone Gundam somehow. 
because I mean, this a lot of the same characters are involved. So yeah, it you know I I think there's a I think there's a solution there. But yeah. Maybe maybe yeah. I'm gonna lean towards wiping out the timeline and giving us something new, just because there's, to my knowledge, among fans, a lack of maybe not knowledge but a lack of passion for Victory Gundam and, um, to an extent, even F91. So, essentially, post-Zeon, you have a blank slate, fill it up with interesting new concepts, and take us into the future of Gundam. Um, this would also, I feel like, maybe put less pressure on giving us alternate timelines, alter- I mean, sorry, alternate universes. That's not necessarily a, a good thing. It's always good to see new stories and settings that are completely different from the Earth sphere. But let's face it, some of these stories have not been good or they ended poorly, like Double O. <laughs> <laughs> or um, even Reconquista and G. Um, a, a Gundam AGE also has its own uh, detractors, I feel. <laughs> so it's, yeah, I, I feel like once you get out of the Universal Century, the, the series become way more controversial. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's fair. I guess we we should have mentioned that you know Reconquista in G does technically happen in Universal Century, just sort of after it. I did not include that in the introduction because it was too I, far in the future. Yeah. So um, it, it's like saying know. like Turn A is in the same it, timeline, which is true, but the distance is almost it almost makes it um yeah, yeah not worth it's not, not not worth viewing as, as the same timeline <laughs> it's not it's not in the next 100 years that this project is attempting to um you know tackle yeah. so it, it is what it is uh, I, I guess i would also reiterate that it i don't want people to take away from this that brian and isaac hate f91 and they hate victory gundam no. and they want it stricken from the continuity we're just trying to think if i'm bandai or sunrise if you the listener are bandai sunrise are you really going to make new works related to F91 and Victory Gundam yeah. 30 years later when maybe people are not like I feel like it's hard enough to get them to make a show about Zeon and now you want them to make a right. show about an enemy <laughs> that people don't like as much as Zeon or that maybe don't care about as much as Zeon so I I just think that might be a tough sell from a corporate perspective so we're just we're just trying to yeah. throw out some ideas about you know, what if this happens? Will you be really upset, you know, or will you be kind of okay with it? And, you know, I think Isaac and I would probably be a little sad to see things go, but it's not like they're wiping out all of the one-year war side stories or all of the Zeta side stories or, you know, even they wouldn't even be wiping out any side stories around the unicorn era. It would really just be the later stuff. I think the biggest casualty here would be Crossbone Gundam. What would you yeah, miss the most, I, I just, guess, if they did this? What would I miss the most? <laughs> it wouldn't be Victory Gundam, because I felt like... Say what you will about Xeon, but they're va- they're bad guys you can root for. Yeah, they're the bad guys. This is an anime series, so they're, <laughs> they have some qualities where you root for, right, Brian? <laughs> yeah. And yeah. Um, they're definitely interesting to watch. Zanscare, no. Almost dull villains to the point of being too evil and bland for their own good. Crossbone had a lot of promise. I really like the premise of it, and um, the Crossbone Vanguard I felt was always an interesting idea for for villains. But you know, again, they ended up F91 was just such a, a short viewing for them, and then 
you lead into Crossbone, and now they're the good guys. So, it, <laughs> I mean, they're, they're the good guys in Crossbone Gundam. So there's a lot of things that happen there in the in the story that aren't completely explained. You really have to read up on like what exactly happened. Um, so I feel like because of that, completely, yeah, go ahead and give us something new moving forward. But there will always be the demand to see Xeon. So you either bring Xeon along with us into the new stories as an allied faction, and Mene was in the perfect position to keep her Xeon under her, under their control, so that they can cooperate as good guys. And at the same time, we'll always be having series go back to do amazing side stories. And I feel like that's enough. I feel like that's plenty. Because we know eventually they're going to redo, completely redo, Zeta and the original series, Shard's Counterattack. Even they might even redo Double Zeta, Brian. There's no reason that's outside of the realm of possibility. Um, maybe it'll even be more serious <laughs> the entire way through. There's just so much content to create there and um, really remake. There's no reason they can't or won't do that. I say yeah, and, let's move. Let's move forward. To be clear, I think we're not saying they're going to redo Zeta next year. We're saying. If you're planning Gundam as a long-term franchise, I mean, like, you want this thing to stay around for 30 years. You know, if no one wants to watch the 1979 Gundam today, they're definitely not going to want to watch it in another 30 years. So you're going to have to remake it at some point. So that's that's kind of our our point. Given enough time, they will remake these these shows. With how the animation in Unicorn and Gundam The Origin looked, these remakes will be incredible whenever they get done in the near future. But for now, focusing on the next 100 years, I feel like if we're being shown a series that takes place in year 99 and Xeon is the bad guys, oh boy, I feel like the writers did something wrong. All right. Well, tell us what you think. We're really curious to see what you, the listeners who, you know, you obviously are listening to a Gundam podcast. You have invested a lot of you know time and effort into watching Gundam. What do you think the UC Next 100 project has in store for us after Hathaway's Flash? Do you think that we will continue on the path of the established canon, or do you think maybe something more radical might happen and some, some retcons could be in our future with, with some more new stories? And what do you think about my Maneva idea? Tell me. Do you like it? Do you hate it? <laughs> <laughs> Can you fathom Xeon and the Federation working together? Maybe, maybe the crew on one major new ship, some new white base, Pegasus class, is half Xeon, half Federation, and they have to work together against, I don't know, the Uranus sphere, <laughs> the Saturn sphere, and their their evil empire and their mobile suits. Would you want to see that, or do you only want to see Federation versus Xeon till the end of time? Let us know. Comment below. Remember to like, comment, and subscribe. We'll see you next week. Take care. Do 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 do.